Well, when I was a kid, Daddy preached a sermon that I want to share with you today. My mother found this sermon outline that he had preached many years ago. And I want to share it with you today because I believe it is for the time that we're in right now. In Genesis chapter 39, verse 1, it says, Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him out of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down that way. Remember the story? Joseph was thrown into the pit by his brothers, and then they sold him into slavery to the Ishmaelites. Remember who Ishmael is? Remember Jacob was the son of Jacob, the son of Isaac. The Bible says Abraham had Isaac, who had Jacob. Abraham also had Ishmael, and he was driven from the land. And so they were rivals, the descendants of Ishmael. And guess what? They still are today. In the year 2020, the descendants of Ishmael and the descendants of Jacob are still bitter enemies. Do a little research on that, and it will open your eyes to the worldview and make things a little clearer what's going on in the world today. But that's not the point of my message this morning. Joseph, it says, was brought to Potiphar. He was an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, very powerful man. The Lord, it says in verse 2, was with Joseph and was a prosperous man. He was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord made all the things he did to prosper in his hand. So God richly blessed Joseph. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then he had 12 sons, the youngest of which was Joseph. And Joseph, his brothers were jealous of him, and they made it because his father had favored him and he had a coat of many colors and his brothers threw him in the pit and sold him into slavery and the Ishmaelites had Joseph and what happened is Potiphar uh, bought Potiphar bought Joseph from the Ishmaelites now here's what happened and I'm going to tell the rest of the story rather than reading you can read the whole chapter it's very good reading but what happened is Joseph he was an attractive young man. He was blessed. He was prosperous. He was extremely smart. And Potiphar's wife tried to have an affair with Joseph. Potiphar's wife came on to Joseph. Potiphar's wife did something wrong toward Joseph. She tried to come on to him. And Joseph, she grabbed a hold of his cloak. And Joseph it ran, all right? Let me tell you. That is when I knew Joseph was really smart. He ran. He took off. And she had his garment still in his hand, in her hand. And so what did she do? She made up a story. 
And she said that Joseph had tried to attack her and that she still had his garment and that she used that for evidence, framing up Joseph. And guess what happened to Joseph? If you've never heard the story, they put Joseph in prison. And if you read on down, it says they put Joseph in prison where he stayed for quite some time. And now I want to share this message that my dad wrote many years ago about this. And he had some great thoughts about it. You know, when everything goes wrong, when it's been one of those days, when it's been one of those years, sometimes we have to just sit and wait on God because we really don't know why things are happening the way they are. We may have some ideas. Now, I would like to direct you to my Facebook page. It's easy to find, Randall Christie, and scroll down through some posts, and there is a post that uh, I want to share with you if you haven't seen it yet. It's five things that's going on in the world today that could cause a judgment against the people of the earth. You see, the Bible says God does bring judgment. One day we're going to face the judgment of God. Did you know that? One day when I die, I'm going to stand before Jesus Christ. I am no better than you. You're going to stand before Jesus. I'm going to stand before Jesus. And the Bible says that if I am sealed in his book with his blood, if his blood has washed my sins clean, then he's going to say, come on in. You are my child. But if not, if I have not given my life to Christ, if I had not, which I have, there's no doubt about it, I have. And I can stand up here today and it is not self-righteous of me to say if I died today, I know for a fact I'm going to heaven. It is not holier than thou of me to say if I died today, I know for a fact I'm going to heaven. It is not wrong for you to tell others, if I die today, I know for sure that I'm going to wake up in heaven. In fact, it's exactly what people need to hear today so they know that they can have it too. Look on my Facebook page if you can and find that post, five reasons, five things, and, and feel free to share that any, any way you want to. I believe that it's true. All right, so when my dad was reading the scripture, he thought of a lot of things. He was funny. He always had a joke. And uh, he thought of a lot of phrases like, when the tough gets going, when the going gets tough, the tough gets going. And we've heard that all our lives. When you come to the end, of, now I like this one. When you come to the end of your rope, tie a knot in it and climb. We have to be determined in this. You know, uh, I don't know if any of you all can... Uh, share my dilemma here today, but I have, not only do we have the church and ministries going, but I have some private business, marketing business, right? And the government is supposed to be bailing everybody out, right? Well, people like me, everyone that works for me in that regard gets a 1099, not a W-2. Therefore, I qualify for nothing, not a I can't even apply for any of the relief because all of my employees are independents that get 1099s. So there are 
millions of people like that right now, like me, whose business has lost tens of thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars in a very short time. And so sometimes I'll, I'll admit to you this morning that there have been a few times during this that I felt like I was at the end of my rope in that regard. Not spiritually, not the ministry, but in that, you know, people depend on those businesses to keep going. How many can identify with that? This is a hard, hard time in America for everybody. But I'm going to hang on to that quote right there. When you come to the end of your rope, tie a knot in it and start climbing. We have to be determined. We have to move forward and push forward like never before. This is a quote that I thought was pretty funny. A guy told his friend, he said, cheer up, it could get worse. He cheered up and things got worse. You know, we might as well find some humor in things and we cannot let problems just stress us out day after day after day. And so I want to leave you with these four thoughts. First of all, Joseph eventually got out of prison. You all know how the story ended, right? Joseph eventually got out of prison, and when he got out of prison, he became the second most powerful man in all of Egypt. He was advanced up the ladder as high as you can go under Pharaoh. So God put him in that prison, somehow allowed him to go to prison. I'm not, not going to say God did it, but God did allow it to happen, and through it, he taught Joseph a great lesson. And when he got out of prison, he became the second most powerful person in Egypt. And he used him. And did you remember this? There was a famine in the land. God was preparing Joseph, you see. There was a famine in the land. Seven years. My goodness, we've been going for two months and it feels like forever. It went on for seven years. Now today... A famine doesn't just mean the crops fail. It mostly means that there's no food on the shelves at the grocery store. Well, aren't you thankful today that we have people that are trying and keep working and keep driving those trucks and keep the chains going so that we can have food in the grocery stores? Isn't that something to be thankful to the Lord today? I'm thanking God for everything today. Joseph ended up thanking God for, for going to prison, believe it or not. He got out of prison. It all ended well. But I'm going to leave you with these four thoughts. And these are words from my dad, George Christie, who preached for so many years the gospel and literally hundreds if not thousands accepted Christ. And here's what he said. Do not demand to understand. I will tell you right now, there's not a thing wrong with asking God why. There's not a thing wrong with asking God to understand. There's not anything wrong with talking to God about what concerns you. But don't demand to understand why. There's a difference in asking and demanding. You know, I'm one of those preachers that I believe in asking God instead of telling God. 
I'm one of those preachers that believe that we should bring our petitions to the Lord and tell Him from our heart what we need and what we want and, and ask Him that His will be done. So let's not demand to understand. The second thing that my dad wrote all those years ago, don't fail to be faithful. I want you to know the first day that we had drive-up church, I was nervous. I didn't know how it was going to go over. I didn't know if anyone would show up. The parking lot was pretty much full. We're down quite a bit today on this dreary, possibly rainy day. But how many believe that the faithful that are here right now can pack this parking lot out next week? Come on, let's do it. I never thought I would preach a sermon and say, let's pack the parking lot. I mean, we've packed chairs and we've packed pews and we've packed buffet halls, but I've never before has said, let's pack the parking lot. But I think we can do it. Next week, let's tell people how important it is to get together and encourage each other. You know, here's what it is. I look around this parking lot and I see people that it means something to them to get out of the house and come to the house of the Lord and worship God. It means something to the faithful to have church. It means something to the faithful to let people know that we love Jesus Christ. The third thing, this is so easy to do because we've lost loved ones. We've lost friends. Some people are losing their businesses. Some people are losing everything they've worked for their whole life. You know, if this government shutdown goes on too much longer, and I don't believe it's going to happen, and I'm not trying to speak doubt. I'm speaking my faith because I believe the Lord's going to intervene. But if people mess it up, and crash this economy, and I mean completely crash it, do you realize there won't be any Social Security checks? Do you realize there won't be any Medicare or Medicaid? There won't be any government pensions? There won't be any government housing assistance? I don't know if people realize what it really means when an economy totally collapses. Now, maybe that's what it takes to bring America back to God. I sure hope not. And I'm praying for a great revival in the land. I'm praying that we have revival turned toward Jesus Christ with our cares and woes. And so, don't bow to bitterness. That's the third one. Don't bow to bitterness. You know, when we're harmed, we have two choices. We can praise God or we can become bitter. And really and truly, the choice is up to you. I'm kind of a worst-case scenario guy. Now, I mean, don't take me wrong. I'm very optimistic, 100%. But when I back up from a situation and try to analyze it, I look at worst-case scenario. What, what is the worst thing that could happen? Well, to me, the worst thing that could happen, of course, would be to lose everything that we have and have to just scratch and scrape just to live, just to eat, just to survive. You see, death is not the worst thing for me. I'm kind of looking forward to heaven. Death does not scare me. I'm not afraid of death. Now, don't get me wrong. When it's facing me at that moment, I might have some fear. It's human nature. But when I think about it and back off and look at it, I think the worst thing that could happen to me is not death, 
But if I had to get up at the crack of dawn and dig in the dirt and raise livestock just to be able to survive, I don't know if I can do it anymore. But I guess, guess who'll be out there with the hoe and the shovel? Guess who'll be out there milking the goats and the cows? Let me tell you, we know how to survive in tough times. I'm not going to bow to bitterness. I'm going to give God the praise, and we are going to make it. And the last thing, this one is probably the hardest of all for me. My mother's here today. She brought me this old sermon outline. She probably knew that this one was talking about me. She didn't say that, but she probably knew it. The last one I want to leave you with is this. Whatever you do, don't try to rush God. Don't try to rush God. If you've given it over to Him, then it's at His timetable. It's in His hands. And He knows how the story ends. Now, this is just a little chapter in world history. There have been plagues before. This is another chapter in world history. But when it comes to the big picture... I've read the back of this book, and I know who wins, don't you? I've read the back of this book, and Jesus and his family wins. We're going to win in the end. And so it's not up to us to rush God. I'm probably as guilty as anybody. I've been a Facebook politician and policymaker for about three weeks. How about y'all? I'm telling you. We need an outlet to express our opinions and how we feel, but when it comes right down to it, the best thing that you and I can do is literally place this in the hands of God and trust Him. Trust Him. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Sing that with me, would you? You guys come out and we're going to start the closing song service. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. One more time, I want to share those things with you. Do not demand to understand. Don't fail to be faithful. Don't bow to bitterness. And don't try to rush God. I believe those words are true today. Last week I asked a question. How many of you would give your life to Jesus starting today? I'm talking about accepting Him as your Savior. I'm talking about asking Him to forgive your sins and really giving your life to Him. And when I ask that question, how many of you today would wave out your window and tell me, I'm giving my life to Christ starting today? 
And I'll tell you, hands went out the windows all over this parking lot last week. And if you're here this morning and you know that you're not ready to meet the Lord face to face, how many would do the same thing and put your hand out the window and say, today I'm making a commitment to the Lord. I want to be ready to meet him face to face. Anybody? You say, that's me today. I'm making this commitment to God. Just wave at us if this is on your heart today. Anytime while we sing, just wave and let's praise God together. I'm thanking God for his provision.